The Lord be with you and also with you. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In virtual worship, we are gathered this Advent Sunday. Let us worship God in spirit and in truth. Together we offer liturgy, music, and sermon in praise of the living God, the author and authenticator of faith. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership, ministry, and service in our midst. And as the spirit moves, when one day it is again permitted and safe to do so, your presence with us here in worship. Please note on our website the particular Advent programs, educational offerings, and forms of personal pastoral support available this week, including our Advent 2020 daily devotional. Although our nave is empty, the music is full. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it.
May we pray together. Merciful God, who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins, that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Let us pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. And also May we exchange with one another signs of his peace. lesson from the prophet Isaiah chapter 40 verses 1 through 11. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry out. And I said, What shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, Here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms 
and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 85 with the antiphon.
you were favorable to your land, you restored the fortunes of Jacob. You gave the iniquity of your people, you pardoned all their sin. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet, righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground, and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him, and will make a path for his steps. Now please rise in body as you are able, but certainly in spirit, for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Gospel according to St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Glory to you, O Lord. <clears throat> the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, who shall prepare thy way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And there went out to him all the country of Judea and all the people of Jerusalem. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, and had a leather girdle around his waist, and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. 
We rested alone in the dormant, dormant quiet of Thanksgiving 2020, as so many did. There were walks and talks. There was time for reflection and reading, as well as distance learning about dearest loved ones by way of the current, sometimes helpful, technologies. A red, bright red maple leaf floated our way. Leaves were there for the kicking and kicking up. We both resisted and bowed to the beckoning of disagreeable chores put off, now waiting and awaiting attention with no earthly excuse for avoidance. Something to clean, something else to toss, something further to give off, something even to cherish, and perhaps something to discover or recover. In the evenings, we nestled in to see some news, not that much is newscast any longer, and then as moved to return to stories and novels and films and sequels. We had left off The Crown after two seasons a good while ago and made our way back into the next. We had stood outside Buckingham Palace with long hair in 1972, then recently wed in 1978 then with the church tour of Methodism and its ghosts, 1995, and then overjoyed on holiday in 2017, en route to view John Wesley's tomb in Westminster Abbey. We worshiped there, seated that August and August Sunday above the stone mark for William Wilberforce. Would you go back to London in a New York minute? Marsh Chapel, Gothic in design, exudes an English spirit. The garden in the poem of Sir George Sitwell, the cornerstone atop two further stones from Oxford University, St. John's College and Jesus College, and the inscription, Boston University's pedigree is traced directly to Oxford University, England. Cambridge is both on and meant for the other side of the river. University arms, said Daniel Marsh, connect Boston University both with the town of Boston, England, and also with the University of Oxford. And for good reason. Mr. Wesley and Oxford Don brought through fierce preaching a vigorous gospel, the Reformation faith, to the English poor in mine and in field and in city and on ship and in prison. Our heritage is thus personal, denominational, professional, and religious. So we were inclined again to watch the show. At one point, Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, is accosted by his mother, an eccentric and brilliant nun, recently, recently transposed to Buckingham Palace from a humble nunnery in Greece. He interrupts her kneeling prayer after years of disconnection she, mentally troubled in the story, cared for, for by Sigmund Freud, and he, a kind of orphan, left alone in the world. In the heart of the talk, she abruptly asks him a question. And what about your faith? And what about your faith? Have you faith? A question of which Mr. Wesley would have been, would be proud. What about your faith? He honestly, suddenly answers, Dormant. My faith is dormant. 
She murmurs, mourns, gasps, and then says, that is not good. Find yourself a faith. At the end of the episode, you see them walking away arm in arm into an English country garden. And you? What about your faith? It is a serious question, even maybe even especially in a dormant time. Perhaps sensing this, you have for a moment allowed the car radio to linger at religion in worship this morning. Perhaps sensing this, you have turned on or turned toward a few minutes of music, scripture, prayer, and preachment. A dormant thanksgiving may have given you pause or a pause coming now into December. Pause before illness, pause before randomness, pause before mortality, pause before God. Faith, dormant faith, wakes up in that kind of pause. A dormant pause brings or can the dawn of faith. Pause to pray in the morning, pause to recite a psalm midday, pause to listen and care when another speaks, pause to write an encouraging word, pause to push your mind and study not for what informs but for what transforms, pause to recover a joy in generosity, pause to make a plan to worship come Sunday, just as now, well, now you are doing. Faith is dormant unless it wakes up in these moments of pause. Of course, what other, what other realm of life or experience do we know that opens itself with no investment? No investment in funds leads to no gain in growth. No investment in exercise leads to no gain in health. No investment in study leads to no gain in learning. No investment in equality leads to no gain in justice. No investment in difference leads to no gain in community. No investment in friendship leads to no gain in friends. Your faith. How is it with your faith? If the answer is dormant, come this dormant advent, you may want to invest yourself, say, in scripture, say, in its serious study, say, or for what it shows in life, say, vital moments of awakening life's woke times. That is, we cannot come to Christmas unless we cross the River Jordan, between you and the 12 days of grace and the feast of Christmas 2020, there runs an icy river, four weeks of Advent 2020, the journey in preparation. You cannot get across alone or without cost or without preparation or without getting wet. You will need some investment here. This beginning, Advent, is like all others, uncertain, difficult, scary, hard, in these weeks, there is set aside a time of preparation and the voices of our ancestors, forebears, precursors in faith cry out in our COVID-2020 wilderness experience. Today's readings, three distinct voices resound. The voice of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of John the Baptist, and the voice of St. Mark, the author of the earliest gospel and its beginning. The voices come out of the great distant past, cloaked in antiquity, hooded in mystery, shrouded in misty history, covered by the winds and dust of time. Our scripture is holy 
is the word of God because week by week we read and listen here for the divine word. Where else would we possibly want to be come Sunday than in earshot of that word? We stand on the shoulders of the ancients, stretching back two and three thousand years, for whom also these words were holy. They outlast us, these words of holy writ. They outlast us, and they uplift us, and they reshape us, and they return us to our rightful minds. The authority of scripture lies in a very pragmatic garden of practice. We do this every week, all the 4,000 Sundays of our lives. Scripture acquires authority out of its longtime traditional use. Scripture exudes authority as the mind, our gift of reason, explores the caverns and caves, the stalactites and the stalagmites, the dark recesses of venerable words. Scripture pierces the heart with authority in our own hearing, our own recitation, our own living, our own experience. Tradition, reason, and experience crown Holy Scripture with authority. Listen then in love to the voices of our ancestors, forebears, predecessors, who also wrestled with the question of faith, the waking of faith at the dawn of faith. The year is 540 BCE. In the dark days of exile, the second prophet Isaiah recalled for his people the nature of faith. How difficult it is to be away from home, to be alone, to be cut off from the people and places that mean most to you, you college junior you. All travelers know this, as do all human pilgrims. Your life is a journey, a spiritual journey wrought in meaning, fraught with meaning, fought for meaning, taught by meaning. The preparation for good news may even begin in the dark lost herd of exile, like a bird song before dawn. Dormancy can be the dawn of faith. The book of Isaiah stops at chapter 39, and it is a hard stop. The book of Isaiah begins again, heard again today, in chapter, tw- chapter 40. Isaiah could hear the early singing of the birdsong of hope long before any of his contemporaries. People of Israel, through a series of tragic decisions, guided by a series of misguided leaders, found themselves enslaved to a foreign king. Our gospel of the Prince of Peace is born out of strife-torn experience. Our confidence in the God of hope is born out of a record of nearly hopeless moments in the communities of faith that preceded us. What makes faith possible in a time of exile? What makes hope possible in the wasteland of a desert? What makes faith possible in pandemic? Faith comes from a mixture of memory and imagination and vision. Faith, like its first cousin, hope, comes from trouble. Over 45 years of ministry, when the question has arisen, where did your faith come from? Whence faith? The answer invariably runs something like this. Well, a long time ago, I was in a deep kind of trouble and... Here is what happened. 
Faith comes out of trouble. The dawn of faith is in the dormancy of trouble. Faith, like its cousin hope, is real faith when it is most, maybe all, that you need. And faith comes in trouble, in times of trouble, in exile, in times of exile. Ours this year, 2020, is such, an exile. And some days we feel it to the marrow bone. This is what a verse remembered does for us. It frees us to hope for what is not yet seen. A song like Isaiah 40, well sung, frees us from the tyranny of the present, the oppression of the right now, the slavery of the moment. We get free to dream of another time or two. Oddly, the best thing about the study of theology is that it frees us from the 21st century. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ may involve a newfound capacity to hope, to hope against hope, to hope for what yet cannot be seen, to hope and to hope and to hope. The song and marrow bone of faith comes calling out just before sunlight at dawn. Isaiah overheard and foretold another voice, another prospect. He sensed what was not yet visible, and who hopes anyway for what he sees. So he cried out, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. The year is 27 CE. It is the year of the courage of the Baptist. It takes a peculiar spiritual strength and faith to find the grace to step aside. John the Baptist created a commotion with his call to confession of sin. He called and the people came. They had a common mind, at least to the point of acknowledging their need. And like Isaiah, he was, he is, one of our venerable ancestors, forebears, precursors. John came out of tradition the tradition of the prophets. His role and work were not alien to the long history before him. So when he went out in his rough clothing into a harsh desert to speak unpleasant but true words of warning and judgment, he did so out of a common understanding that prophets might just come along every now and then. They might call the city of Jerusalem to repent every now and then. They might direct the people of Israel out to the riverbank every now and then. They might point to God every now and then. John spoke directly to his people. He challenged a generation to look hard at the way they lived and with a spiritual plumb line to measure themselves according to the law of God. What one has no sin to confess, what one has no fault to regret, what one has no desire to be made clean, what one would not, given the chance, wash in the Jordan and start over, who has not tossed and turned at night in the dark awaiting the dawn. Friends, politics lies downstream from culture and culture downstream from religion and religion downstream from faith. The dawn of faith is at the headwaters of all the rest for all the cultural amnesia of such today. The Baptist reminds us of the distance between our dreams and our deeds. But the lasting word of the Baptist is not about his own work at all. 
Like the church to this day, finally, he exists to point to another, the thong of whose sandals none is worthy to loosen. For all his accomplishment at the pinnacle of human endeavor, right religion, John finds in faith at the right time the grace to make space for another. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ may involve a willingness at the right time to make space for someone else to step aside. For you, one day, the gospel may evoke a willingness to step aside. Or one day, not so much the willingness, but the reluctant courage to do so. John felt that nudge, and so he cried out, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. The year is 70 CE. With others, Mark could have found a more pleasant way to begin his gospel. He might with Matthew have offered a long list of names of great saints and sinners past and then told a story about wise men from the East. Or he might with Luke have started with thrilling birth stories, retelling the birth of the Baptist and of Jesus to Elizabeth and Mary, and then recounted the advent of the Son of God among humble shepherds in a humble inn in a humble town on a humble night. The Gospel of John even begins with the beginning of time and Jesus rounding the unformed cosmos as the divine word, logos. As plain as the nose on your face, though, Mark starts simple and bare. No frills, no varnish, no makeup, no extras. Like Paul, Mark says nothing about the birth of Jesus or young man Jesus or the family of Jesus. He begins with the River Jordan and John, a man dressed in camel's hair. This gospel begins with a barren, bleak moment in the icy dark along a cold river faith dormant in exile. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ may well involve just such a cold and forbidding start, a beginning that is in that way like all beginnings, from the infant cry at birth to the coughing susurration at death and every new venture in between, a little quiet, a little cold, a little wild honey. And hovering somewhere nearby, the divine possibility of a divine possibility. So Mark writes, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let us pause to shrug off our dormancy. Let us awake. Together, let us begin the journey. With Second Isaiah in a time of exile, we will face down the loneliness we feel and will explore a newfound capacity to hope. In a period of discouragement, we will accept the courage and the capacity to wait, to wait without idols, to wait for the living and true God whose messengers do come in the fullness of time. With John the Baptist in a period of anxiety, an age of anxiety, when our own service has been rendered and our own work is done, we will look for that saving willingness, the grace to make space, to make way for another. With John Mark in an age of pestilence and dislocation, when change in work or health arrive, we will face the harsh difficulty 
of a cold new beginning. We will rely on faith, the faith of our ancestors, forebears, precursors, those who came before, who also knew the icy cold of the River Jordan. We will name our precursors, honor them, remember them at the dinner table, in comfort of family conversation, in the discussion and dialogue of real national debate, and in divine worship as the scriptures are read and the word is proclaimed, and in the communal silence this morning of Eucharist, today a spiritual Eucharist. In a moment, we will hear again the ancient liturgy for Eucharist. We are not together to receive together the bread and cup, but we are together in relationship, by memory, in hope, through prayer. And with a little imagination, with eyes closed and hearts open, we might allow the familiar ancient prayers of communion to bring us into communion. So travel with a little imagination. Imagine Eucharist at Marsh Chapel. Stand to sing, pause to reflect, step out into the aisle, look at and look past Abraham Lincoln and Francis Willard, receive cup and bread, bread and cup, kneel at the altar to pray, Stand in communion with the communion of saints. Here is the bread and cup of friendship. Imagine, if you are willing, your own funeral, say right here, in a congregation reciting together a creed, a psalm, a hymn, a poem. Imagine, if you are willing, a congregation currently in diaspora, but just now by the words spoken, a gathered and thus addressable community you and I and Isaiah and the Baptist and St. Mark and all together. Amen.
for the work before us, the fellowship among us, thy love that surrounds us, we offer thee thanks and praise. Bless these gifts and the givers we ask in Christ. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also, also with you. Lift up your hearts and lift them up. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets, who looked for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, when nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ whom you sent in the fullness of time to be a light to the nations you scatter the proud in the imagination of their hearts and have mercy on those who fear you from generation to generation you put down the mighty from their thrones and exalt those of low degree you fill the hungry with good things and the rich you send empty away your own son came among us as a servant to be Emmanuel your presence with us he humbled himself in obedience to your will and freely accepted death on a cross. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, 
with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
Bless us, O Lord, all the day long of this troublous life until the shadows lengthen, the evening comes, the busy world is hushed, the fever of life is over, and our work is done. Then in thy mercy grant us, we ask, a safe rest, a happy lodging, and peace at the last through the same Jesus Christ our Lord.